If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is People Every Day. Coming up, inside the case and new verdict against infamous Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes, who now faces up to 20 years in prison. Plus, Tristan Thompson kicks off an apology tour after paternity test results prove he is the father of Marley Nichols' son. And answers to your latest questions about COVID. It's January 4th. Hi, guys. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Tuesday, and time to dive right into the stories that caught my eye and are clicking like crazy on the site today, starting with Mr. Tristan Thompson, the NBA star and persona non grata, if you ask the Kardashians right now, revealed on social media that paternity test results proved he is, in fact, the father of model Marley Nichols's son, now Thompson's third child. He wrote, I take full responsibility for my actions. Now that paternity has been established, I look forward to amicably raising our son. I sincerely apologize to everyone I've hurt or disappointed throughout this ordeal, both publicly and privately. This part seemingly addressed to Nichols, who doesn't seem the least bit moved. Her publicist responded, saying, There was never any doubt that Tristan Thompson was the father. And he called Thompson out for his, quote, numerous false and defamatory statements against Nichols. In terms of addressing his ex, though, Thompson got specific in his statement. He said, quote, Chloe, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve the heartache and humiliation I have caused you. You don't deserve the way I've treated you over the years. My actions certainly have not lined up with the way I view you. I have the utmost respect and love for you, regardless of what you may think. Again, I am so incredibly sorry. And while by the looks of fan reactions and comments today, it seems folks are hoping Chloe will respond with, thank you, next. All right, let's hang around Calabasas a little longer and talk Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Actually, they're nowhere near Calabasas. They have made their relationship vacation official. The two reportedly headed out on a private plane to the Bahamas, their first romantic getaway. They've been going strong since they connected back in October when she hosted Saturday Night Live. And it seems an impromptu but perfectly lit art-directed and shot beach photo shoot (laughs) might be the couple's next milestone. All right, moving on to a story that made me scratch my head a little bit. Actress Gal Gadot sat down with InStyle for their February cover story, and one personal thing she revealed stopped me in my tracks. When asked about her third pregnancy and giving birth to her eight-month-old daughter, Daniela, she said, and I quote, I love giving birth. I would do it once a week if I could. It's so magical. Now, as someone who has given birth twice, I have to say that is the most uh, Wonder Woman-ish thing (laughs) I have ever heard. But she gave context. She added, I always take epidurals, to be fair, so it's not so painful. Just the moment you feel like you're creating life, it's incredible. Well, that's true. In other health-related news, we've gotten more insight into what happened to Betty White. Her close friend and publicist, Jeff Witches, is trying to decide 
dispel rumors and has confirmed her cause of death. He says White, quote, died peacefully in her sleep at home. People are saying her death was related to getting a booster shot three days earlier, but that is not true. She died of natural causes. Her death should not be politicized. That is not the life she lived. And so Witches is denying false claims out there that she got the booster three days prior, saying that never even happened. So essentially, he's like, whoever you are putting that out there, Stop it. And with that, I want to turn now to the coronavirus, which is top of mind for many of us this week. And there is a lot to talk about. Yesterday, health officials reported one million new cases of COVID-19, though some of those are left over from the holiday weekend. We've also seen a 95% increase in the seven-day case average for kids under 17, along with a rise in child hospitalizations and a number of vaxxed and boosted celebrities who say they've tested positive. Jimmy Fallon, Jesse J, Whoopi Goldberg, Charlie Puth, the list is growing. Uh, like many parents, one of my big concerns is school. My son is doing virtual learning right now. A lot of other kids are back in person despite the spike. But over the weekend, we saw dozens of 11th hour changes with school districts in Georgia, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, to name a few, announcing that they would indeed start the year off with virtual learning. It's also overwhelming, especially after two years of change and confusion. So we're going to dig in now to what we know about the current COVID landscape. I've asked People's Associate Health Editor, Julie Mazziota, to join us today. Hi, Julie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. It's hard to know, you know, where to begin with this stuff, but I think for our purposes, we should start with the numbers. So what can you tell us about new cases nationwide, and and do we have any idea how many of them are the Omicron variant? Yeah, like you said, we're just absolutely crushing our previous records. Our last peak was in January 2021, um, and we were seeing around 300,000 cases a day. And as you mentioned, there were 1 million yesterday. That is likely due to lags in testing from the holidays. Um, But we have been seeing around 500,000 a day um, in the last week. And that really makes sense considering how contagious Omicron is. The most recent data we have from the CDC about which variant is spreading the most is a little bit old. It's from December 18th, and that had Omicron at 38% of all cases. Um, But the CDC is projecting that at this point, Omicron has completely taken over and likely accounts for 92% of all cases. Got it, got it. And you you bring up that spread um, for Omicron, and we've heard a lot about that. But if if you could put it in in your words, this is something that (laughs) it's just wildly easier to catch, right? Yeah. You know, the vaccines were formulated to work against the original version of the virus. And then it turned out that it worked well against Delta, which was really helpful during the surge this year. But Omicron, unfortunately, just is far more resistant to our vaccines. And so that's why you're seeing these celebrities who are vaccinated and boosted and people in your community um, who are getting Omicron. Well, I mentioned this in the intro, but we've seen a sizable increase in child and pediatric hospitalizations in recent weeks. So can you share a little insight on that data and remind us of the vaccine guidelines for kids? Yeah, child cases are at some of their highest levels yet. Uh, The week ending December 23rd, there were nearly 199,000 pediatric cases, which is up 50% from the start of the month. And um, unfortunately, pediatric hospitalizations are rising to an average of 378 kids a day were admitted to the hospital during the week of Christmas, um, which is the highest rate we've seen so far. The important takeaway from this is that doctors are reporting that barely any, if at all, of the kids who are hospitalized are vaccinated. So 
that really emphasizes how important it is to get your kids vaccinated. So true, especially right now. So let's talk about schools. Students in some of the nation's largest school districts, including Newark, Atlanta, Detroit, and Cleveland, all pivoted to remote learning over the weekend. Other school districts, including New York City and Chicago, are going with in-person learning. Both options are controversial. So Chicago's teachers union says its members are prepared to walk out tomorrow over safety protocols. And we're hearing similar concerns from teachers in New York City. So what's behind the debate here? Is it safety versus mental health? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, just with the vaccine just not being as effective against Omicron, it's kind of impossible to keep it out of classrooms. So there's that safety element. But then there's just such a strong mental health burden of having kids out of schools. I don't know if there's an ideal solution here, but it seems like in areas where cases are extremely high, like New York City, Chicago, D.C., Florida, Louisiana, it might be best to take a break um, from in-person learning the way Los Angeles schools are doing. The one good thing about Omicron is it does seem to be moving quickly And experts think that it will peak by January 9th. Yeah, I think that's really it. It's just like the not knowing. I remember way back at the start of the pandemic when it was like, "Uh, your son will be out for two weeks. We'll be back in two weeks. And then it just went on. So I think that's part of the fear. But, I mean, safety is like wildly important. It's it's. So debatable. Um, but there, <laughs> and what are the CDC guidelines, though, for schools? If you have your kids going back into school, what does the CDC say? Yeah, um, definitely mask up. That is essential. Um, mm-hmm. And also upgrade your child's mask. Uh, we talked to Dr. Leanna Wen the other day. She's an emergency physician and a professor at GW University. She said that everyone should be wearing a KN95 or an N95 at this point with Omicron. Um, And if that's not possible, doubling up with a cloth mask with a surgical mask underneath. Yeah. Keep three feet of distance between kids and then um, vaccinations as much as possible for staff, teachers, kids. And and so I got to ask this one thing about um, the CDC's isolation guidelines that in the midst of this huge Omicron boom, they're saying uh, only five days now, right? Um, you, you, if, if, you are, if you are vaccinated, only five days as opposed to the 10 days do you need to isolate. So, so what are doctors um, talking to us about telling the team? I think there is a lot of confusion around the five-day change, yeah. and it does seem to be fairly motivated by getting people back to work as soon as possible. It's definitely oriented, though, for people who are asymptomatic, people who are vaccinated and boosted. Um, It's not for people who have no vaccinations. They need Mm -hmm. to be staying home for the original 10 days. Next up, People Crime editor Greg Hamlin is on with me to break down the guilty verdict in the case against infamous Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes. Stick around. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam.
am back now with People's Crime Editor, Greg Hanlon. He's here to give us some insights into the recent verdict from the Elizabeth Holmes trial. Holmes is the former CEO and founder of Theranos, a failed blood testing startup. As a reminder, the company falsely promised that they had the technology to run hundreds of medical tests using a few drops of blood. Their claims were first challenged after a Wall Street Journal investigation in 2015 revealed that the company only performed about a dozen of the hundreds of blood tests using its proprietary device. Instead, their Theranos was using third-party traditional blood testing companies for its results. It wasn't until 2018 that Holmes was first indicted, being charged with 11 counts involving fraud for lying to investors, patients, and others. The trial was then delayed due to the birth of her child and the COVID-19 pandemic. And now that takes us up to speed with where we are currently, a three-month trial and yesterday's verdict. So, Greg, I want to get into the verdict, but before we do, can you take us into to the actual trial. I know that Holmes took the stand in her own defense for seven days. So what was the foundational argument here? Holmes basically portrayed herself as, you know, kind of a a babe in the woods routine, like that she, you know, wasn't aware of the lies that she was telling to investors um, and that she was, you know, the well-meaning founder of this company. She put the blame on her uh, boyfriend at the time, the company's COO, Sonny Balwani, and uh, portrayed herself as a victim of coercion and even even sexual abuse, and basically implied that Balwani had kind of brainwashed her into making these false claims. Prosecutors did not accept this position and uh, maintained that Holmes had intentionally deceived investors uh, and patients in order to help her company succeed. They played recordings in which you know she claimed that she had cut a deal with the military. They showed that she had kind of falsely represented partnerships with large pharmaceutical companies uh, and they undermined, you know, her claims of uh, ignorance and uh you know, lack of forethought and lack of malice. Yeah, so Holmes was being charged on 11 counts. So what are the details of these counts and and what was the final verdict? So the verdict convicted her um, on fraud charges against investors, uh, but she was acquitted on the fraud charges against patients. Mm -hmm. There are three counts that the jury still uh, was unable to reach a verdict on. Those also concern fraud with vis-a-vis investors and it's unclear whether prosecutors will continue to, to go after her on those three outstanding counts, having already gotten these four convictions. Three of them uh, were for wire fraud and the other one was uh, for conspiracy to commit wire fraud, all involving uh, the false claims about the company that she made to investors. Interesting. So, I mean, I, I can see this not going over too well with patients of theirs who, you know, got false reports. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And th- and this is, you know, th- this wasn't just a lot of people who lost money. I mean, th- there was a real human cost here. Uh, one woman was walking around under the impression that she had HIV. Another woman was under the impression that she had a, a miscarriage. So this isn't just financial. Um, there was a real kind of uh, human tragedy here. Yeah. I, I guess I want to know... Did she know that it just didn't work? Did she ever talk about that? She she did know that. She portrayed herself as kind of being in a brain fog uh, this whole time. But she, she never claimed that she was under the impression that this product worked uh, as as advertised. So she wasn't that deer in the headlights. Uh, so 
So what does it mean for her, though? Um, She faces up to 20 years in prison, as well as a fine of $250,000 plus restitution for each count. Um, Are we seeing this play out in that way, or do you think they'll go easy on her in terms of sentencing? Yeah, it's unclear. I mean, the the sentencing is a a complex, you know, matrix involving lots of factors. Um, Most experts do believe that she will get significant time mm. uh, behind bars. Uh, one of the things that goes into the sentencing is the amount of, you know, money at stake here. And here we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, she'll also get dinged for being in a leadership position. She was the CEO of this company, despite how she tried to present it. Cutting against that and what might, you know, lead to a shorter sentence is the fact that she's, you know, a first-time offender. And also, Sonny Balwani, her ex-boyfriend and the company's COO, his trial is upcoming. And if Holmes uh, testifies for the government, she might be able to cut a deal to reduce her sentence. But most experts do believe that she will spend significant uh, time in prison, nothing really, you know, coming close to the 20 years, however. Got it, got it, got it. And I mean, she was just a household name for so long on the covers of magazines, all of it, um, even before she was charged with anything. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on why she became so famous. Yeah, she, she was really kind of emblematic of everything that at the time was celebrated about Silicon Valley culture. She had this maverick sensibility. She had dropped out of college. The the claims of the company sort of dovetailed with the claims of Silicon Valley. It was so transformative, just the idea that a single or couple of drops of blood could could run this, you know, hundreds of tests. She also was just an arresting character. She fashioned herself after Steve Jobs. She she wore these black (laughs) turtlenecks, her mane of blonde hair and her you know, kind of baritone voice. She was just a very, you know, sort of photogenic, compelling character. I think, you know, to a large degree, like self-consciously so. And she was very persuasive. And that's what a lot of people say about her is that, you know, even people that worked at the company, they knew that the products were BS, but she was so persuasive that, you know, they would come away from an encounter with her you know, believing in the product and believing in the company despite knowing that the that the technology itself, you know, was bogus. That was People Crime editor Greg Hanlon on Theranos founder and CEO Elizabeth Holmes. For more on this story, head over to people.com. And now, something to make you smile. It's time to break out the confetti, candles, and cake as one special woman celebrates yet another trip around the sun. On January 2nd, Kane Tanaka from Japan turned 119 years old, you guys. And according to Guinness World Records, she is the oldest living person in the world. Although her family wasn't able to gather with her in person due to coronavirus restrictions, her great-granddaughter was able to share a couple photos of the birthday girl on Twitter. And in one of them, she is flashing the peace sign. Her grandson told a newspaper that he hopes she remains healthy and has fun every day as she grows older. And the celebration wouldn't have been complete without her favorite beverage, Coca-Cola. So to mark the milestone, the company gifted her with a personalized set. Well, happy birthday to her for like the 119th time, right? (laughs) Talk to you guys tomorrow.